First Armando Baycat, now Leaky Black is back. We're going to talk about why that's important, plus all the implications for the upcoming season. And I want to explain to you all the random and various NBA draft dates and what you need to know about them. Plus, it's Tuesday, Trivia Tuesday, all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's All Tar Heels website. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch every single day. Please, if you would, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. It's just the button you see in right there. Hit that like button so we're knowing the numbers of people that are diving in. For those of you listening, please, wherever you get your podcasts, if you would, subscribe to the show. One of the next benchmarks we're trying to hit is getting 1,000 daily downloads of the show, and we're so close to that number. Would love it if you would help us out in this endeavor. Well, as I said, Leaky Black's coming back, and it's Tuesday, so we got Tuesday trivia, and of course, it's going to relate to Leaky Black. So here is today's Tuesday trivia question. With Leaky Black back for a fifth year, Leaky Black back, we need to make that a hashtag, Leaky Black back, he could potentially set a new North Carolina record for number of games played in a Tar Heel career. So today's trivia question is this, who are the top five Carolina Tar Heels currently filling out that list? The answer coming up in the outro of today's show. Make sure to stay tuned in for that and to find out if Leaky could make that list himself. Well, Leaky Black is back. Hashtag back in black. Yeah, I think that could work. Maybe get a little ACDC love in there. Five reasons why Leaky Black coming back is important. You ready for it? Here we go. Number one, because homie is going to get paid. Yes, we're talking about NIL name, image, and likeness. Is Leaky going to get Armando Baycott money or Caleb Love level money? Probably not. But there's no reason to think that he can't make a lot of money. He's doing it right now with the barnstorming tour that the Iron Five are all on together, getting paid for his name, image, and or likeness. It's incredible and it's awesome. Now, the money he is going to make, whatever it would be this upcoming season, is certainly more than he would make turning pro next year at whatever level he, he would get, whether that's overseas somewhere or in the G League or whatever it may be. I think this is a huge win for his bottom line. And is it a forever thing? Absolutely not. He's got one year to bank everything he can and take that into the next chapter of his life. So you know what? Leaky, come back and get paid. That's <laughs> first reason. Obviously, that's a personal reason for him why it's important to come back. Number two, this is more team-oriented. I love this one. Number two reason why Leaky Black's return is important is because it's going to help cement the beginning of the Hubert Davis era in North Carolina. What do I mean by that? Well, it takes a head coach any number of years to cement their status as the man. Um, obviously, for Hubert Davis, he's been around the Carolina program for several years now, and so that he does have some fingerprints on it already, but only just one year as a head coach. 
And so I think it's really beneficial for Hubert Davis to have multiple of his starters returning to play this year. I think that says a lot for what they think about him as a head coach. And I think it says a lot about the culture that Carolina is going to be. Now, how does Leaky Black help that? Well, he is not necessarily the world's most vocal leader. Um, not that he's not a vocal leader. He can certainly do that and lean into that. Um, but that's not been his, his primary role often. However, here's what Leakey is phenomenal at, is being a culture setter. He, he does his work. He does the things that a professional needs to do and sets the tone for everybody else. So the four freshmen coming in, they see that and they know the work that they've got to put in. He is helping... Coach Davis and his assistants set the tone for what the Hubert Davis era in Carolina is going to be. And so to build on what happened last year, I think that is huge that Leaky Black and Armando Baycott and others can help achieve that. Number three, why is it important for Leaky to come back? Well, for, for my money's worth, this is going to be the first full season of what I'm calling set it and forget it Leaky Lockdown. Meaning, we've always known that Leaky has been a versatile defender, um, somebody who can do multiple things to fill up the stat sheet, but it feels like it wasn't until this season about two-thirds of, or excuse me, for the final two-thirds of the season that he was really able to lean into just being this automatic Game in and game out, Leaky Black is going to just absolutely snuff out uh, a team's best defender, assuming or best uh, score, excuse me, assuming they play somewhere one to four positionally, because that's the versatility that Leaky brings. Now, now that he has unlocked that capability and set it before the ACC and the entire country, he should be able to now do that for the entirety of this year come out from day one, shut down everyone, and just make that a season-long endeavor. And I think Leakey has that capability. It's going to be harder now because he becomes more, he becomes higher and higher on a team's um, uh, scouting chart as they prepare to face the Tar Heels. And so Leakey's going to have to be ready for that, but he will certainly update. What a great peace of mind that is for his head coach, Hubert Davis. Number four, why is it important that Leaky Black is back? Well, the, uh, the question for number four here is, what else can Leaky do? And there is certainly more that he can do. Obviously, defensively, <laughs> I, I think, sure, he can find more to do, but there's what more could you ask um, from what he's done? Maybe block as many shots as Mark Williams? <laughs> That's just a little rib right there. Um, but seriously, remember that Leaky is not just a defensive player. That's where, um, if he's going to make it in the NBA or professionally, I think that's where he's going to make his haze on the defensive end of the court. But there's so much more that he has to offer. Keep in mind, he had quite significantly the highest assist to turnover ratio on the team this year at 2.8. Um, next was RJ Davis with a 1.9. So uh, in terms of qualifying players, Leakey was the only one at 2.0 or above in assist to turnover ratio. Other... Other things that he's done really well is you, you throw out his freshman year where his numbers didn't qualify. And this most recent season, Leakey set new career highs in field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, and free throw percentage. And so he's just growing more confident in that shot. Obviously, we've seen moments where he continues to be reluctant to shoot, either of his own um, mental 
uh, place of where he's coming from or being asked by the coaching staff to to not shoot as much. Regardless of where that's coming from, we, we do see hesitancy in him sometimes to pull the trigger, uh, sp- specifically from deep. But I think there is another level of attacking the rim that we started to see more aggressive Leaky Black later this past season. And I think that would be a great place to grow is just utilizing his wingspan and athleticism to get to the rim more often, get to the free throw line more often. I'd love to see that out of Leaky next year. And I think that is something that he could bring to the table. Number five, the final reason uh, I think that it is important for Leaky Black to come back is the college experience. Keep in mind, his sophomore and junior years were marked by COVID things. Obviously, his sophomore year, it wasn't till the end of the year. And technically, by the time COVID ended the season, the Tar Heels were already um, finished. They had, they had lost in the ACC tournament and obviously weren't going to make the NCAA tournament. But still, it there was this kind of thing over the, the latter part of that season. And it was kind of weird. And then obviously, the just about the entirety of his junior year was... Um, affected by all the various COVID protocols. And so really, he just had a normal freshman season, which had some injury issues. And so when you look at it, really his senior year was the only year that's been pretty intact and pretty normal, but even it had a few COVID things. For example, during the NCAA tournament and throughout this year, we weren't as media able to go to the locker rooms. And so I I love this one more time coming back for Leakey because it's a last chance to have a, a hopefully regular and normal college experience. And so I love that he's going to get to do that. Okay, fine. Bonus number six. The reason it's important for Leaky Black to come back is he's going to give the ACC voters a chance to make right what they screwed up in last year's Defensive Player of the Year voting for the ACC and make Leaky Black your 2022-23 ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Make it right, ACC voters. Let's do it. It is so important that Leaky Black's coming back to Carolina for both personal and team reasons, and that's incredible. Speaking of those team reasons, with Black coming back, what are the implications on the roster? What does that look like? We've been updating this over and over again, it seems like, over the course of the past week, and we're going to do that again. But before I talk to you about that, let me tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the beginning of the MLB season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline where the game starts. Also, big announcement coming up next week, a week from Thursday is the beginning of the NFL Draft and Locked On has you covered. Starting Thursday, April 28th, make sure to tune in to Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you who are wanting to know in advance who your team is going to take, we got something for that too. Catch Odyssey and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special, hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, all week leading up to the first pick. It's going to be great. Would love for you to check that out. Okay, so what does Leaky Black's return mean for Carolina's 2022-23 roster? Well, it's pretty simple. 
Each NCAA Division I team has 13 scholarships available to them in basketball. If you've been tuning into the show at all lately, you've heard me talk about this over and over, but I just like to always put all this in front of you so you can just keep figuring out where things are at numbers-wise. And so um, I'm going to pop up the, the sheet on the screen so you can see who, who all the scholarships will go to, who non-scholarship players are on the roster, and who the departing scholarship players are. Speaking of which, we did learn on Monday that Dawson Garcia is going to stay home and go to Minnesota is where he's transferring. And so it'll be interesting to see if the NCAA grants him a waiver to play immediately or not now that he, he is back home which is in line with him there being there with his family, going through all the various health things that are going on there. And so uh, the best to Dawson as he continues on his collegiate career. So um, you, you've got these 13 scholarships. They're all accounted for again. And um, so as you think about that, just keep in mind that the roster's full. There, there are things that could still technically happen. Um, in order for the roster to fill up more, what are some of those things? Well, you could have um, somebody go to the NFL, and we're just talking about NFL, the NBA draft. That's a thing that could still happen. You could have um, more transfer things happen. That's always, you, you hope nothing like that happens, but that is still a, a possibility. And so, as it stands now, with, with everything we have, here are the 13 scholarships and how they are divided out. All right, and again, you're seeing this popping up on the screen as I talk about it. So in terms of now graduate will be Leaky Black as your one person there. Two seniors, Armando Baycott and Justin McCoy. Uh, four juniors, RJ Davis, Puff Johnson, Caleb Love, and Kerwin Walton. Two sophomores, DeMarco Dunn and Dontrez Styles, and then the four incoming freshmen would be Tyler Nickel, Will Shaver, Seth Trimble, and Jalen Washington. And so those are your 13 scholarships, again, as of now. So as I said, there's always the possibility that there could be more roster movement with transfers out or NBA draft declarations. So obviously, what, what do we think about with that? Well, if somebody transfers out, it's clear and cut for Coach Davis and company. You go get somebody else um, to be part of your team. We're going to talk about in a minute who that might be. It's a little more murky if someone decides to declare for the NBA draft. Why so? Well, if you don't hire an agent, there's always the possibility that you could return to school. So what happens in that scenario? If, if let's say, Caleb Love does decide to declare for the NBA draft, Maybe it's to go get a legitimate look at making a roster and getting picked. Maybe it's to just learn stuff from the NBA because you can do that twice in your in um, in your collegiate career. And so why wouldn't you? But that puts Coach Davis in a sticky situation, right? Because if Caleb leaves, do we go get somebody else to fill his roster spot, or do we wait around to see if he's coming back? That's a little bit of a conundrum and something you have to deal with. Now, obviously, Coach Davis and, and Caleb or whomever it might be are having these conversations and being hopefully very open and honest with one another about intentions and what Caleb plans to do. And so we would have to cross that bridge, come to it. But obviously, again, those NBA draft declarations do make it a little more sticky in terms of the scholarship math. Now, 
if another spot does indeed open up, there are two ways you can fill it. The, the easiest way in this day and age with the one-time transfer rule is to go get somebody in the transfer portal. There are untold numbers of um, men's college basketball players who enter the transfer portal that are there and available to you. Who would Coach Davis be looking for? Well, obviously, there's a lot of depth at the guard position. If, if Caleb Love leaves or um, another one of the guards transfers out, obviously, you lose some of that with Anthony Harris having already transferred. But you would think that is where you feel pretty set and where you see a big hole or gap is in that four position, that stretch four, where Coach Davis would be looking to find, predictably or probably, a Brady Manic-esque <laughs> type player to come and do the same things that Brady Manic did this year. Uh, you look at the current roster, and there's some potential people that could fill that role. If Puff Johnson starts to shoot really well, he's that guy. But you, you don't necessarily look at this roster and, and see somebody like Brady Manic that has even coming in already 200-some career-made threes. That's just not on the current roster. So that's a possibility. The other is recruiting. Uh, you've probably heard a lot about Gigi Jackson. I'm going to talk about him some on in, in more depth on another show soon. But one of the possibilities out there, Gigi Jackson is part of the class of 23, but there has been rumblings that he... Uh, is very interested in committing to North Carolina and that he's also considering the possibility of reclassifying. And if so, and the space opens up, that could be the person to take that 13th scholarship. All that said, there's a whole bunch of different ways to skin this cat of filling up your roster. It could be set right now, as is. You could see some more roster movement, in which case Coach Davis and his staff have some options of how to fill up that last scholarship. Now, if and when more movement happens, don't you worry. I got you covered. I'm always going to be here with more information for you, updating who's moving, what it means, what the roster looks like, all of that. Never fear. Isaac is here. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Now, speaking of these NBA draft declarations, many have asked me, many have been wondering about all the various NBA dates. How do I know when a player has to declare for the draft early entry. How do I know when he can come back? Because there's multiple deadlines. What does that all look like? I'm going to explain it to you in just uh, a moment coming up. But first, a couple ads. Okay, so let's talk about these important NBA dates because it's always kind of evolving and, and what you need to know and what matters. So let me give it to you. There are um, five specific dates that I want to tell you. There are obviously more dates happening on the NBA calendar, but these are the ones that really will matter in terms of um, if Caleb Love or, or RJ or somebody decides they want to declare for the draft and, and either get more information or stay in. So, First off, this upcoming Sunday, April 24th, is the early entry de declaration deadline, meaning if somebody wants to declare for the NBA draft as an early entrant, they have to do that by this coming Sunday. And so we're going to know at least a little bit of something by this coming Sunday. A any of these guys, either Davis or Love, or if anybody else decides they want to learn more from the NBA... Why not? You can do it twice and still come back to school. Might as well, if it's going to be your profession, learn from people in that profession that, that have seen you play and can give you feedback. And so that is a great option, a great opportunity for these guys. But if Sunday comes and goes and they haven't declared for the draft, we know they're back in Chapel Hill. If Sunday comes and goes and they, they have declared, 
Um, we, we might know more in terms of if um, they hire an agent or if, you know, what all of that looks like. And even now there are some agents you can hire that um, still allow you to maintain your college eligibility because the NBA is trying to do more in terms of helping these young men make more informed and wise decisions. Okay, once the, the draft declarations have happened, the next big one of these college teams is the NBA Draft Combine. That is gonna take place May 16 through 22. And so those are the moments where you go and, and be evaluated with, with other players, um, other you know, seniors, early, um, early entrants into the NBA Draft, international players. Not everybody participates. Basically, if you've got a, a lottery guarantee from a team, no reason at all to participate in the Combine. Uh, but you often see that. Speaking of which, the draft lottery takes place during the combine. So the combine starts on the 16th, and then the draft lottery is the next day, the 17th. And so that's part of how a player would already begin to learn if a team in the lottery is going to take them and where. And if so, if you get that guarantee, peace out. I'm not playing at the combine anymore because I'm getting picked, and I don't want to take the chance that I might show um, weakness or something that I am not as capable at as maybe it was once thought that I am. Okay, now here's where we get to the next set of important dates, and there's two more, and this is where it gets pretty confusing for folks. There is an early entry withdrawal deadline, meaning this is when you have to pull out in order to um, maintain your eligibility elsewhere. But there's two different dates for that. There's an NCAA date and an NBA date. Why are there two different? Well, the NCAA early withdrawal deadline is when a college player has to withdraw from the draft in order to maintain their NCAA eligibility. That date is always 10 days after the end of the combine. So the combine ends on May 22nd. That means the NCAA early withdrawal deadline is June 1st. Again, that's 10 days after the combine. So again, let's say Caleb Love wants to enter into um, the draft and go through the combine. That's if he gets invited to the combine. That's an invite only event. He would have 10 days after that to decide if he wanted to stay in the draft or come back in order to maintain NCAA eligibility. There's a second early entry withdrawal deadline, and that is June 13th. That is one that is an NBA deadline that doesn't have anything to do with maintaining college eligibility. If you wait after June 1st, but you think, oh, I'm good to, to pull out before June 13th, you can't go back to college. That later withdrawal deadline is more for international players looking to um, enter into the draft. And so you can just, in terms of what it matters to college, you can just forget that June 13th deadline and just focus more specifically on the uh, June 1st deadline. That is what matters. And if somebody tries to tell you different, tell them, hey, Isaac Shade told me, and I know that he knows what he's talking about, and so you can take that to the bank, or you can just send them my way, and I'll set them straight on Twitter or wherever it is. So, again, what does all of this mean for us? Well, essentially, we're going to know something, something, maybe not everything, about Caleb Love and R.J. Davis by this coming Sunday, April 24th at the end of the day. I believe the deadline um, is 11.59 p.m. for that. So if you want to stay up uh, Eastern time, that would be. So if you want to stay up till midnight and, and wait for that, that's great. It'd be nice to hear something before then, um, but certainly we will know something by then, either that they are returning to school or that they're going to 
you know, find out more in the NBA draft. And then, um, again, like, why wouldn't you take an opportunity to say, hey, let me enter the draft and just find out what I can learn from the NBA about what I need to do better um, to improve my my NBA draft stock. I, I think it would be unwise not to do that. There's, there's no thing that that's bad about learning more. It just makes sense. And then again, this point of clarification. Remember, June 13th is the NBA early entry withdrawal deadline. Don't worry about that date. June 1 is the date you need to pay attention to because that is when a player has to withdraw from the draft in order to maintain their NCAA eligibility. And that, again, is 10 days after the NBA combine. So there you go. That is everything you need to know about all those dates. Now, as I said, as we come to the end of today's show, I was going to tell you the answer to today's Tuesday trivia question. As a reminder, the question is this. With Leaky Black back for a fifth year, he could potentially set a new UNC record for most career games played. Who are the top five currently? That is what you have to answer. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you Leaky's number. He is at 122 career games played. All right. Now, here's your top five. I'm going to give it to you from five to one. And I'll go ahead and tell you now, there are two people tied for second place on this list. Fifth place, all alone, by himself, still playing in the NBA. In fact, was playing on uh, Monday night in the NBA uh, playoffs. Danny Green, 145 career games played. Fourth place on this list was current was the uh, Carolina single season rebounding record holder until this past year. That's right, Bryce Johnson, number four on this list, 148 career games played for the Tar Heels. Tied for second place, so meaning they're occupying second and third place, are two men that played with Bryce in the 2016 National Championship, but they went on to win a National Championship the next season in 2017. Who is that? It's Isaiah Hicks and it's Nate Britt, who each played 151 games for the Tar Heels. And the number one player on this list, the most games played in Carolina history, is none other, any guesses? Dion Thompson. That's right, Dion Thompson, 152 games played, one more than Isaiah and Nate Britt. So, what could Leakey do to make his way on to this list? Well, as I said, he's played 122 games. If you looked at Carolina's schedule this past season, which was more back to kind of a normal schedule, the Tar Heels played 30 regular season games and 8 postseason games. So let's say Carolina has a terrible year and... Uh, does, isn't going to make the NCAA tournament. Well, they're at, least, at the very least, they're going to get one ACC tournament game because everybody makes that. And so let's say we're looking at 31 games. If Leakey is healthy, plays every game all season, plays 31 games, that would move him from 122 up to 153. And if you remember, Deion Thompson's record is 152. So we're looking at Leakey being able to break that record, again, if he stays healthy at in the ACC tournament, which would be... Uh, a great trivia question for all time. Who is the Tar Heel with the most career games played? And that would be Leaky Black. Can he do it? We're going to have to wait and see. That'd be awesome. Come on, Leaky Black. You love it. By the way, if you didn't get a chance to hear my Leaky Black song on a Friday show, <laughs> you need to go back and listen to that. It would do your soul good. 
Well, that is it for today's episode, though, of Locked on Tar Heels. Again, please go subscribe to the show and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, our, the next benchmark we're really trying to hit is a 1,000 or more audio downloads every day. We're getting very, very close to that being a consistent thing. would love for you to help us do that. Would you take a moment to rate and review the show? If you're on Apple Podcasts, five stars, some great comments. Tell us why you love Locked on Tar Heels. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Locked on Heels. You can follow me, at Isaac Shade, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Coming up tomorrow, spring football has been over for a little over a week, but on Tuesday, uh, Coach Mac Brown and both coordinators are going to do a kind of a spring wrap-up post-conference uh, press conference, and I like that post-conference. Let's just go with that. And so on Wednesday's show, I'm going to have all sorts of information for you um, about what we learned in those press conferences and, and what that can mean for the the rest of the summer and the fall that is upcoming. So stay tuned for that. Hey, thanks for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen today. And now let me encourage you to make Locked On NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Hey, I also want to thank you so much for spending part of your Tuesday talking Carolina sports with me. What a great opportunity to share time and community uh, talking about something we all love together. And I want to remind you, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace! Peace!